On this episode of Bright Future, I talk about the abortion laws that have passed in North Carolina and my home state of Nebraska. This is a weekly political podcast that follows current events and looks at how we may do better so that there may be a brighter future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam, and without further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I haven't titled yet, but we'll get to that. This episode is going to cover two rather broad topics, and the topics may seem disconnected, but they are, if only legally. This episode is labeled as explicit, and while there won't be any foul language, we will be covering controversial topics regarding reproductive health. During my essay portion, I will attempt to discuss these topics in as clinical a manner as possible, much like the wording used in the actual laws. But if we have a discussion session, other people who join me in this episode may not follow that same clinical wording, though I encourage you to do so. Same goes for any comments or reviews for this episode. When I first started this podcast, I didn't fully understand the scope or purpose I wanted this show to have. That purpose has evolved and changed over time, slowly becoming more and more clear and solid. At first, this podcast was just a place for me to talk, or more accurately, rant, about political topics that I thought we needed to make changes to in order to improve the world for, well, a brighter future, hence the title. Since then, the show has evolved to discuss these issues much more in-depth, to try and look at many differing opinions about particular subjects, while people, like, while people have these opinions and how to reconcile the differences and make compromises. Using these, we could create more popular and effective legislation to improve our country and our world. The one thing that has changed about this show was when it was first made, I wanted to specifically target controversial topics in an effort to make them less controversial. I think I even at one point said, quote, uh, if you're offended good, that means you're thinking about this. That's obviously probably not the most accurate thing to say, but... This is why my third episode, Season 1, Episode 3, was about Roe vs. Wade being overturned. That episode is my most popular episode of all time, with 11,000 of my show's total 15,000 downloads. However, one of the early failings of this show was my extreme lack of research or knowledge, which, if you've listened to that episode, really shows... Since that episode, I have done much more research, actually reading bills and laws, as well as learning about the background and causes that led to each of these laws and rulings. During that same time, though, the political world kept moving. It didn't hold still. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned about a year ago, several states have introduced various pieces of legislation making changes to the legal status of abortion. The most recent states that have made changes include North Carolina, and my home state of Nebraska. We'll start with North Carolina because White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre issued a statement about North Carolina's new legislation. May 16, 2023. Today, Republican state legislators of North Carolina overturned Governor Roy Cooper's veto of a dangerous bill that is out of touch with the majority of North Carolinans and will make it difficult for more women to get the reproductive health care that they need. We've already seen the devastating impacts that state abortion bans have had on the health and lives of Americans living under these draconian laws. In more than a dozen states with bans, women have been turned away from emergency rooms, 
left with no choice but to travel hundreds of miles for the care that they need, and faced complications that put their lives and health at risk. Like those laws, the North Carolina ban will harm patients and threaten doctors for providing essential care. Vice President, President Biden and Vice President Harris will continue to work alongside Governor Cooper, state legislators, and Americans who are fighting to protect access to reproductive health care in the face of relentless attacks, and will continue to call on Congress to restore the protections of Roe for all people in every state. Kareen is lying to you. If this bill, the North Carolina bill, was out of touch with what the majority of North Carolinans believe, then it never should have passed into law. The people that the North Carolinans elected to represent them, manage laws and legislation for them, never would have voted to pass the bill, which passed by overriding a veto, which requires a three-fifths majority. Specifically, the bill Kareen is talking about is Care for Women, Children, and Families Act, which passed with 72 ayes and 48 noes in the state of North Carolina. I've included in the description the link to the actual text of this bill if you want to read it, but that's because Kareen says that this is an abortion ban. This is also a lie. More accurately, this bill restricts the use of what could be considered unnecessary late-term abortions. Effectively, it blocks abortions later than 12 weeks in some cases, 20 weeks in other cases, and also outlines exceptions for if an abortion is deemed medically or psychologically necessary. It also very carefully defines an abortion to specifically separate it from miscarriage and stillbirths. In addition, this bill is careful to outline that pregnant women are not at fault if this bill is violated. In fact, they can seek legal damages in civil courts against the physician who failed to follow the proper outline of this law. When the White House publishes papers and statements like the statement I just read, they often include links to sources or use very specific data to back up their points. However, there are no links or sources included in Corrine's statement to support any of her points. There are a lot more details in this bill that I recommend reading yourself, which is why I've linked it in the description, but because it's so similar to one passed in my state of Nebraska, I'm instead going to shift our focus to Legislative Bill 574 for the rest of this episode. Apparently, there is a fine line between peaceful protest and biological warfare. On May 20th, 2023, Nebraska State Legislature passed Legislative Bill 574. While this bill was on the floor, a pair of women began screaming from the balcony and threw used feminine hygiene products onto the legislative floor. Look, peaceful protests can include waving signs and raising your voice, which is why I do this, these podcast episodes, but this, throwing used feminine hygiene products onto a legislative floor, is definitely not a peaceful protest. And so local law enforcement decided to begin clearing the balconies to prevent further biological attacks. However, three more people refused to leave, which also resulted in their arrest, because they were trespassing, and lastly, one person punched a police officer, so they were also arrested. Shortly afterwards, LB 574 passed. There are 24 sections in this act, but only, f only the first six relate to abortion, starting with a clarification that this act only applies to intrauterine pregnancies, which is a medical way of saying a normal and healthy pregnancy. The act also provides a definition for abortion. 
Abortion means the prescription use, the prescription or use of any instrument, device, medicine, drug, or substance to or upon a woman known to be pregnant with the specific intent of terminating the life of her preborn child. Abortion shall under no circumstances be interpreted to include removal of an ectopic pregnancy, removal of the remains of a preborn child who has already died, an act done with the intention to save the life or to preserve the health of a preborn child, an accidental or unintentional termination of the life of a preborn child, or during the practice of in vitro fertilization or another assisted reproductive technology, the termination or loss of life of a preborn child who is not being carried inside of a woman's body. And so very carefully, this bill only applies to healthy, normal pregnancies and carefully defines abortions to not include miscarriages, stillbirths, or accidents. The next sections of this bill outline a process for collecting anonymous data about abortions. More specifically, details about how far into the pregnancy and the reason for the abortion, medical emergency, sexual assault, incest, or otherwise. The bill also makes it illegal for physicians to perform an abortion before collecting this data if the gestational age is more than 12 weeks. Again, this bill does not apply to abnormal pregnancies or medical emergencies. While I have more to discuss in an essay format later on, I want to first open this section of the bill to discuss from the audience. I record these episodes live in a Discord channel in which anyone can join in to share their own opinions or perspectives, just in case I missed something or I'm missing some of the facts or if there's another opinion that could be drawn from this information. Now, there isn't actually anyone in the voice chat with me today, so I'm just going to talk about myself, talk about my own opinions about it. Normally, I write these out in like an essay section to fully organize my opinions, but I suppose it's also nice to try and form thoughts and words live without a chance to prepare them first. So, I might try this more in the future, more with bullet points rather than a fully scripted out session. Now, to be completely honest, my opinion about abortion is still very flexible, but mostly I don't think abortion should even be legislated at all. Instead, I think the decision of abortion should be left to doctors and, more importantly, the Hippocratic Oath. You see, the Hippocratic Oath basically, it, it is rather long, but effectively it boils down to simply uh, do no harm, basically. So, an ethical scenario was proposed, a kind of trolley problem, which is supposed to be solved by a doctor, where there is one healthy person and five people who are dying. And this one healthy person, their organs could be used to save the five dying people. But this would kill the healthy person in the process. According to the Hippocratic Oath, the doctor would not be able to bring harm to the healthy person to save the five dying patients because that would be doing harm. And that's what I think, that's how I think abortion should be treated, by doctors through the Hippocratic Oath. To be completely honest, abortion is an incredibly moral gray area because we don't know at what point you become a sentient living being worthy of rights like the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
For me personally, I think that it means you should err on the side of caution and, you know, not get an abortion if you can help it, and instead just try to avoid getting pregnant in the first place. But in the case that there should be an abortion, they should probably be handled on a case-by-case basis left to doctors to decide under the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. Instead, like I said, we should try to avoid unwanted pregnancies in the first place, and well, how can we do that? The Colorado Family Planning Initiative is probably one of the best answers for this. Basically, what the Colorado Family Planning Initiative has done, which I've included a link to in the description, is it provides free IUDs to every woman over the age of 14 without requiring parental consent. Now, I believe this program began in about 2008. I I don't want to say that for sure, but I do want to say it's about 2008. And since then, for women between the ages of 15 and 19, there was a 60% decrease in both the abortion and the birth rate. 60% decrease. That's not insignificant. That is major. And for women between the ages of 20 and 24, there was a 40% decrease in both the abortion and birth rate. In addition, by preventing these early births and early abortions, this family planning initiative saved Colorado an estimated 66 to $68 million in public assistance costs like Medicaid and Social Security benefits. That's worked really well for Colorado. Why wouldn't it work for the entire rest of the nation? If you want to solve abortion, just sidestep the whole problem. Prevent unwanted pregnancies in the first place. Using a family planning initiative like that. There's no one else in the voice chat, and that's basically all of my opinion. If you do disagree with me or think I've missed some major evidence or something like that, some major fact that I might have missed, please absolutely let me know because this is something that I'm trying to do more research into, but to be completely honest, finding specific studies when it comes to a moral gray area is kind of tricky. This is definitely more philosophy than fact. But now that we've had that debate about this part of the bill, let's talk about the rest of this bill. Sections 14 to 20 of this act shall be known and may be cited as the Let Them Grow Act. Now, this is just for the state of Nebraska, but the legislature finds that the state has a compelling government interest in protecting the health and safety of its citizens, especially vulnerable children. Genital and non-genital gender-altering surgeries are generally not recommended for children, although evidence indicates referral for children to have such surgeries are becoming more frequent, and genital and non-genital gender-altering surgery includes several irreversible and invasive procedures for biological males and biological females, and involves the alteration of biologically healthy and functional body parts. The next part of the bill goes out to ensure that there is a clear difference in the definitions of biological sex and gender. Section 16. For the purposes of the Let Them Grow Act, biological sex means the biological indication of male and female in the constants of reproductive potential or capacity, such as sex chromosomes, naturally occurring sex hormones, gonads, non-ambiguous internal and external genitalia present at birth, without regard to an individual's psychological, chosen, or subjective experience of gender. 
Gender means the psychological, behavioral, social, and cultural aspects of being male or female. To be completely honest, I'm not sure how I feel about that definition for gender, because from what I just read, it feels like that definition will reinforce stereotypes. However, Section 16 does specifically start by saying that the definition is only for the purposes of this act, the Let Them Grow Act, and not for any other law, or that this is necessarily the definition that the public should adopt. But that isn't to say that there aren't any other major issues in this section of the bill, such as Section 17, except as provided in the Let Them Grow Act and the rules and regulations adopted by the promulgated pursuant to the act, a healthcare practitioner shall not perform gender-altering procedures in this state for an individual younger than 19 years of age. Okay, so what counts as a gender-altering procedure? Surgical procedures such as a panoctomy, orchiectomy, vaginoplasty, clitoroplasty, or vulvoplasty for biological male patients, or a hysterectomy or ovarectomy for biologically female patients. Wait, I recognize one of them. An orchiectomy, the removal of one or both testicles which is now banned for people younger than 19. Now, I've received an orchiectomy, but not because I wanted to change my gender or anything. It's because one of my testicles twisted around itself, cut off blood flow to it, and then died. This is called testicular torsion, and according to my doctors, it is most common in young men as they go through or shortly after puberty, usually between the ages of 13 and 25. This section of the bill means that if testicular torsion happens to a man between the ages of 13 and 19, and they can't get treatment for it to remove the damaged tissue, well, instead, you'll not only be in extreme pain, basically constantly screaming, but the damage will also spread, and I can tell you from personal experience that even with a pain tolerance as high as mine, it is pretty painful, even for just the 40 hours that I tried to tough it out. I certainly do not recommend this procedure in any other case. Even 10 months later, I have to often adjust myself, which you may occasionally see on some of my live streams, simply because of how uncomfortable and unbalanced I feel. In addition, for several months, I experienced side effects like heat flashes and mood swings. And one of the funniest parts about this is, well, testosterone regulates your hair growth. The reason why I keep my hair so short is because, well, it's not so out of whack anymore, but what effectively happened was that parts of my hair on my head would start growing faster than other parts because of this. And it's not good. It's not fun. If I had lost both instead of just the one, those side effects would be permanent because instead the remaining one has doubled in size to... Look, I don't want to use the word compensate, but it's accurate, okay? <laughs> this isn't... Instead, the only permanent side effect is the lack of balance, except that technically, that isn't permanent. I could pay to receive a prosthetic implant. Of course, because it's not medically necessary, insurance won't pay for it, and it's far too expensive for me. But if I was under 19, this bill would ban me from that option anyway. It turns out that this bill doesn't just block doctors from being able to assist you in cases of testicular torsion, but it also helps prevent but it also prevents doctors from helping young women with ovarian torsion. Yeah, they didn't tell you that was possible in health class, did they? 
Strangely enough, though, this bill doesn't ban circumcision, which could, which should probably be considered a gender-altering surgery. However, much like an orgiectomy or overectomy, there is a medically necessary reason for circumcision sometimes. It is possible, though rare, for men's foreskin to fuse to the head during puberty, which renders a man sterile. However, there are no medical reasons for female circumcision, so why didn't the bill ban that? Again, at this time, I have included my essay section, so I'll now open up discussion to the audience. Um, but again, there's no one else in the voice chat with me for today, so I'll just kind of elaborate on my own opinion here. I don't think that you should get any form of unnecessary surgery, unless it is physically necessary for you to survive or become more comfortable or something like that. You should probably avoid surgery, because any surgery, even a minor one, is still going to be major. It's going to take a long time to recover, and things will never quite feel the same. It's going to take forever to get used to your new situation. So, if you want to change your pronouns, go for it. In fact, change how you dress, how you appear, your name, all of that. You're welcome to change all of that, because that is... While it's available under the First Amendment, you can say or do whatever you want as long as it isn't physically hurting anyone else. But I do not recommend taking surgeries or taking some sort of pills or anything like that uh, to block hormones or anything. Because it will really mess up your biology and physiology, probably shorten your lifespan. The side effects are horrible. I hate it. And... I, they are starting to get less and less almost a year later, but still, it'll never be the same. It really sucks. Now, I said at the beginning of this episode that I didn't have a title. And, well, when I first started making this these episodes, I didn't include, like, a clever or funny title because I didn't think I really needed one, right? This is like a factual type podcast it's not supposed to be catchy or funny or anything it's just supposed to get you interested in the current events and talk about how they're actually going to affect you or the people around you but since then i wanted to spread the word grow make the show larger so i did start adding in some clever titles some something catchy before following it up with what the actual episode is about this week, though, well, there was a bunch of, like, ideas that I came up with, but nothing that actually, like, stood out solid to me, like, yes, this is definitely what I make this episode. But I've got a bunch of ideas, so I'm going to talk about one of them. The first one was going to be Banhammer. Now, the reason why, I don't know why I had this as an idea, mostly because a Banhammer, basically, is when you bring the hammer down on someone in your server or your community or something who's just doing something that you don't want them to do like for example if you start posting not safe for work content in my discord server i will drop the ban hammer on you and that is kind of what this law does it doesn't completely ban things though because well kareen likes to say that it's a total ban but it's not it is a restriction for sure you have less access to this, less freedom to do this to protect children who haven't been born yet, because it's a moral gray area. 
and it's better to err on the side of caution. So that was one idea. The next idea I was going to have was step forward, step back, because this bill has the, the bill LB574 has the seeds of a good idea, but the way it goes about doing it is actually going to be more detrimental in a long term because it's going to really hurt people, especially people under the age of 19, in case they need some of those surgeries in order to remove damaged tissue or just to help them, not necessarily to change their physical appearance or gender or anything like that. It's going to affect everyone. So it's a step forward because it's got the seeds of the right idea, but it's also a step back because it does it in the wrong way. I could also call this grayscale because this subject, this topic, is a very gray area, and no one really knows what to think yet. And that's entirely reasonable. There is very little scientific data about this that isn't wildly biased in one direction or the other. I tried to find something that I could use for this episode. It didn't work. So gray area was the one. And then the last one I had was... Look, I'm already going to title this episode as explicit, so I might as well go with this. Block blocker. Because this blocks children from under 19 from reproductive health care, which in this case includes hormone blockers, which I suppose is a is probably a fair thing. You shouldn't take those unless, you know, deemed necessary by a doctor. Or, you know, something else I didn't mention was doctors follow the Hippocratic Oath, but another thing that you don't really hear about is that nurses who prescribe and hand out medicine have to follow what's called the Nightingale Oath, which basically says not to give medicine or prescription to someone unless it is absolutely necessary because they're in, like, pain or because they need it in order to survive or be comfortable or something like that. Because, well, just giving someone morphine because they walk in and ask for it is probably because they're addicted to it. And in that case, they don't need morphine. They need help, like support group type help. So give them that instead of the morphine that they're asking for. That's what the Nightingale Oath, I suppose, is for. Though, to be honest, I haven't researched the Nightingale Oath that much. So that's why I wanted to title this episode, well, Block Blocker. And I think that's what I'm going to go with, because it is a very catchy title. Um, and it'll get people interested in this. Anyone else in the voice chat with me? No, all right. So I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up here. In conclusion, I urge the governor of Nebraska, Jim Pillen, to revise and make corrections to this bill because it's got the seeds of a good idea but goes about it the wrong way. Instead of legally restricting abortion, I recommend using proven methods to I recommend using proven methods to lower abortion rates, like the Colorado Family Planning Initiative to bring abortion rates down. I also strongly recommend revising the let them grow sections to recommend that doctors do not perform these surgeries unless absolutely necessary instead of outright banning them. The best place for medical decisions to be made is in the hospital following the Hippocratic and Nightingale oaths, not in the courthouse or capitol buildings. Maybe then our reproductive health care can have a brighter future. Check the description for more information, including the resources I used to build this episode and all of the places where you can find my podcast. You can also find our Discord server there if you would like to discuss these or other topics. If you think I've missed something or 
have an alternate opinion that you'd like to share. If you would like to support the show, please follow and subscribe, or leave a review and share with your friends, and thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. These episodes are released every Tuesday at 6pm Central, so I'll see you back here next week.